Okay, here we go. All right, guys, we're going to do something a little more technical. I want to share with you a whole bunch of different Talmudic sources um, that's going to give us a really cool insight into um, some some uh, ideas in this week's Parsha. And uh, most importantly, we're going to focus on the idea of Shabbos and what Shabbos is all about. Okay, in a really in a really cool way. Um, last year, this week's Parsha fell out the week of Lagh Omer, which was the Kabbalistic holiday we just celebrated, which uh, focuses on the, the death of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So I decided last year to talk about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in more depth and how he fits into this week's Parsha. So we're going to do that. It happens to be that Lagh Omer is the 33rd day of the Omer, and this is the 33rd Parsha in the Torah. So there's a nice little connection there. But um, there's a lot more to say about that. But um, let's let's start by first just touching on a few of the themes in the Parsha. Most specifically, uh, this is a double Parsha again. We have a double header. Welcome, Ashley. Good to see you, as always. And, um, the first Parsha is called Bahar, and that means literally on the mountain. And it says that God said to Moshe on Mount Sinai, saying, speak to the children of Israel and talk to them about the following mitzvah. This is a mitzvah called Shemitah. Anyone familiar with the mitzvah of Shemitah? How often is Shabbos? You know about it, Jaylene? You know about Shemitah? Wow, where did you learn about Shemitah? There's a lot of things in the Torah that a lot of people don't know about. When did you learn it? Wow. Okay. So Shemitah is that just like Shabbos is every seven days, so Shemitah is every seven years, there's a Shabbos for the land of Israel. The land of Israel celebrates Shabbos for an entire year. You cannot plow or plant or do any agricultural labor for the entire year of Shemitah. And if you thought that was a lot, so what happens every seven times seven years? Every 49 years, and the 50th year is a yoival, translated in Latin as jubilee, jubilee year. Which mean, which is a year where all land goes back to its original ownership. It's basically a year of freedom. All slaves go free. That happens in the Shemitah also, and uh, it become it's basically like an entire super Shemitah year. And um, okay, so that's that's in this week's parsha. And there's a few other laws, but we're not going to touch on everything. Then the second parsha of this week's. Torah portions is called Bukhukosai, which means in my chukim. A chok is a statute. It's like a law in the Torah, but it's specifically a law in the Torah that you don't understand. There are plenty of laws that make sense. Those are like law, laws of monetary damages. Those are called mishpatim. Those are uh, like just laws. But then there's something called chukim, which are the laws that don't make sense. Does anyone think of an example of a chok in the Torah? A law that doesn't make sense? So, 
there are some explanations of the laws of kosher that do kind of fit. The truth is that in, in a, some degree, all mitzvahs are chok. All mitzvahs are commandments from Hashem that we don't fully understand. Just like if you came to my love class last week, you would know that when your spouse tells you that they want a certain thing and that's the way they like it, you can't reason with them and say, well, why do you like chocolate? Maybe, uh, you know, vanilla is so much better. No, your spouse tells you they like chocolate, you get them chocolate. So at the end of the day, mitzvahs are, are love, uh, acts of connection between us and Hashem. And that's literally what the word mitzvah means. It means commandment, but it also means connection. They're acts of connection because if your spouse doesn't tell you what they want, you can't ever show them love. And there's no such thing as love without actions. Love leads to actions. So uh, Hashem tells us what he wants. And so to a certain degree, they're all without any reason. And we don't really understand the reason. Just like when your spouse says she likes chocolate or vanilla, you don't ask questions. You can never understand why. You just have to uh, appreciate what they like. So that's, to some degree, all mitzvahs are beyond us. We don't really understand. But there's a lot of ones that make sense that we would come to on our own. Even Shabbos, for example, makes sense in many ways. And it, historically speaking, Hashem rested, whatever that means. But uh, in our own life, we understand that there's a benefit to having a day of disconnection from the physical in order to connect to the spiritual. But there are certain mitzvahs that are called chokim that don't make sense. Shatness is an example that people often say. Uh, Jaylene, uh, that you don't mix certain fibers. Wool and linen is an example. Another is the, the a famous one is the para aduma, the red cow, red heifer, which is a certain thing that if you have a pure, totally purely red cow, that the ashes are burned and they purify from uh, spiritual impurity of, of a dead body. So that one doesn't really make sense. Although there are explanations for that also. But that's a classic one that it says that Shlomo HaMelech King Solomon understood all the mitzvahs, but this was one he did not understand. And there's specific aspects of that mitzvah that he didn't understand. So, so this one says, if you go in my statutes, if you go in my, if you walk in my statutes and my, my mitzvahs you keep and you do them, then I will give you rain in its time and lots and lots of blessings on the land of Israel and the Jewish people. However, if you don't, keep my mitzvahs, then there's a list of a lot of curses. How many curses? 49. 7 times 7. And says the Talmud, why do all these curses come upon us? Why will the Jewish people be kicked out of our land and face terrible, terrible punishments? Says the Talmud, because we didn't keep Shemitah. We didn't observe the seven-year cycle of the land properly. And therefore, we have to get kicked out of Israel so the land of Israel can rest properly. So there's a very interesting connection between these two parshas of Shemitah. And I want to try to understand it in a, in a deeper way. But we, but in, uh, So we want to understand these curses, the number seven times seven, the idea of Shemitah. Uh, why does the land need a Shabbos? And... Why does it say, if you walk in my chukim, in my unknown mitzvahs? And the commentaries say, Rashi says, what does it mean if you walk in my mitzvahs, in my statutes? Rashi says, if you walk in Torah, you have no Torah. What? What did I do? Oh, really? I didn't know where the microphone is. Um, if you walk away from my mitzvahs, 
says Rosh, if you, sorry, not if you walk away from it, if I walk away from the microphone, if you, if you learn Torah intensely, then you will get all the blessings. So why is the Torah suddenly referred to as a chok, as this unknown mitzvah? Okay, can you hear me? Good? Okay, so let's go. Let's go. We're going to go into some, some, some deep Talmudic ideas. And I want to share with you another thing besides, so we have seven days a week. We have seven years. We have seven times seven years. We have 49 days between Passover and Shavuos. We're in that cycle right now. We have 49 curses in this week's Parsha. And there's another seven. Does anyone know another seven in Jewish history? Okay, seven days of mourning. Good. And we also have the Talmud says that the world as we know it was created to last for 7,000 years. The Jewish calendar, starting from Adam until today. What year are we in now, anyone? 5,781. Tafshin Pei Aleph. The Talmud says that the first 2,000 years are years of chaos. The second 2,000 years are years of Torah. That's from the time that Avraham started teaching. 2,000 years. And the third 2,000 years is the days of Mashiach. Meaning Mashiach could come anytime in the last 2,000 years. The 7,000th year is 1,000 years of Shabbos. The world will celebrate 1,000 years of Shabbos. So right now we are very close. Mashiach has to come before the year 6,000. We have another 219 years before Mashiach absolutely has to come. He can come sooner if we merit him if through our through our deeds okay so let's let's work harder guys come on all right so um what what's the significance of shabbos as we've said before uh an observant jew is called a shomer shabbos what's the what is the baseline of being a religious jew someone who keeps shabbos if you're a shomer shabbos you're able to do be a witness kosher witness at a wedding you're able to uh, to be a, uh, a ritual shochit, a slaughterer, resnik, if you keep Shabbos. A Shomer Shabbos is the basis, baseline of Judaism. Why? Why is Shabbos such a baseline? And there's a famous saying from Sholem Aleichem, the Yiddish poet, that the Jews didn't keep Shabbos. Shabbos kept the Jews. So what's so significant about Shabbos that it helps us to survive? And there's there's actually one more Shabbos that I want to mention. And that's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Torah calls Shabbos Shabbosom, the Shabbos of Shabbos. So we have a lot of Shabboses here. What's the significance? So I'll share with you one little idea that I had this morning. That what, what do you think the significance is of not working for a year in the land? So perhaps, anyone want to gander or guess? Significance of Shemitah? full year what's the significance what does it mean what's Hashem trying to tell us what's the message of Shemitah so the Torah says it that the land belongs to Hashem we are just guests in this world and one 
year, every seven years, we have to remember and meditate on the fact that we don't own our land. We're just guests in this world. We're residents, right? And um, amazing idea. And what about Shabbos? What's the message of Shabbos? So, yeah, Matt, message of Shabbos? Great. So similar message that that we don't make our money. Our money doesn't come from us. But I would say even 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 more stronger than Shemitah, Shabbos is that you don't even own your house. Because on Shabbos, you can't do what you want in your house. On Shemitah, you can't do what you want outside in the land. On Shabbos, you can't even do what you want in your own house. You can't turn on light switches. You can't uh, cook. You can't, you know, Shabbos is that even in my own house, I don't have control i'm not i'm not the owner of my own property and finally yom kippur which is the shabbos of shabbos says you know what even your own body doesn't belong to you even your body is alone and that's really what the meditation of yom kippur is is that i'm a soul who's riding in a body my body's my car it's a lease from hashem i don't even own it yom kippur i'm stepping out of my body okay so that's those are some some ideas Questions, comments before we go deep? Okay, let's go. So the Talmud says a very, very interesting thing. Before, every time it talks about Shabbos, it says you should work for six days and on the seventh you rest. And with Shemitah says the exact same paradigm. And I noticed this last year and I was bothered by it. It says... When you come to the land, you should sow your field for six day, years and the seventh, and you may prune your field for six day, your vineyard for six day, years, but in the seventh, it's a Shabbos for Hashem. So, one second. Why do you have to work for six, six days? Why do you have to plow for six years? Why is that a prerequisite for Shabbos? Why is that a prerequisite for Shemitah? And so, that leads me to an amazing, one of the most famous debates in the Talmud. Okay, this is the debate between Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Yishmal, two of the great Talmudic sages. Welcome, Julia. We're just getting started. Okay, so we waited for you. Um, <laughs> so, so this appears in Brachas on the thirty-fifth page of Brachas. Rabbi Yishmael says, a person has to work and plow in the right time, sow in the right time, reap in the right time, gather in the right time. A person has to work, and then in his free time, he has to learn Torah. Says Rabbi Shimon, if a person has to do all that stuff, he's never going to have time to learn Torah. Says Rabbi Shimon, a person should only learn Torah. He should not work, shouldn't plow, shouldn't harvest, shouldn't get a job, shouldn't work for Google or Amazon or Uber. He should learn Torah full time. And if he does that, Hashem will provide for his livelihood miraculously. That's what the, the Gemara says. 
And that's a b- pretty big debate. And I think that that debate ha- goes on until today in, in, in certain ways. But says the Gemara, many people tried to do like Rabbi Yishmael. They got jobs. They learned Torah a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night, and they were very successful. Many people tried to do like Rabbi Shimon, and they failed miserably. That's what the Gemara says. They, they didn't work. They learned, tried to learn Torah. They starved to death. And then their wife said, go get a job before we all die. Okay, so what, what is that debate really all about? And how could Rabbi Shimon say something that's so counterintuitive? Right? So um, let's discuss. It's clear that Rabbi Shimon is on a different level than, than the other sages of the Talmud. Rabbi Shimon says, if there are a hundred B'nai Aliyah, if there are a hundred elevated people, me and my son are two of them. If there's ten, me and my son are two of them. And if there's two, me and my son are them. Says Rabbi Shimon, we are unique, my son and I. We are not on the regular level of people, normal people. And um, to the point that Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara says that Rabbi Shimon was exempt from prayer. He didn't have to pray. His Torah learning was such an on such an exalted level that he didn't have to pray. And uh, it's interesting that the that okay. So where did Rabbi Shimon get to this level? How did Rabbi Shimon become Rabbi Shimon? So the Rabbi Shimon who revealed the Zohar, the 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 tradition is that the teachings of the Zohar that most of that was Torah that he learned when he was in hiding from the Romans for 13 years. There's a story in the Gemara that somebody praised the Romans and Rabbi Shimon said, why are you praising the Romans? They're disgusting people. Everything they do is for themselves. And the Romans tried to kill him and he went into hiding with his son. They went into a cave and they stayed in the cave for 12 years, learning Torah for 12 years. And eventually after the 12th year, they left the cave because they heard that the decree had been nullified the king or whoever the governor had died and they left the cave and as they left the cave they saw people harvesting the a field and rebbe shimon said how could people harvest a field how could people leave their torah learning he says how could they abandon their eternal life and focus on temporary life and he instantly blew up these people with his eyes and he started burning up all the people that he saw with fire that shot out of his eyes. So a heavenly voice came out and said, get back in the cave. I didn't, I didn't have you come out to destroy my world. So Rabbi Shimon went back in the cave for another 12 months. And he came out after that second time. And they saw someone and his son started burning people up again. And Rabbi Shimon started healing them. The Gemara says, son was burning everyone up. Rabbi Shimon was healing them. And then they saw an old man who was running. And Rabbi Shimon said, where are you running? He said, I'm running because it's Arab Shabbos. It's going to be Shabbos soon. I'm running to Shabbos. He said, what is that in your hands? And the man says, I have, I have two, two myrtle branches, two hadassim for Shabbos in the honor of Shabbos. One is because of Shomer, keep the Shabbos. And the other because of Zachar, guard the Shabbos, uh, remember the Shabbos. And these are two verses that we say. And Rabbi Shimon said, ah, now I understand. Now I understand why you guys are working. You're working for Shabbos. 
And and that and I believe that at that moment Rabbi Shimon became Rabbi Shimon. It's very interesting that in the Zohar, righteous people are called Shabbos. And if you look at it, it's very interesting that um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Shimon Bar Yochai, is the numerical value of Shabbos, because Rabbi Shimon is Shabbos. Rabbi Shimon embodies Shabbos. Because what is Shabbos? Six days we have to work. We have to work on perfecting ourselves, on perfecting the world. On Shabbos, we're there. We achieved the status of the place that we're trying to get to. So, very interesting. If we go back to that debate in, in the Talmud about between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Shimon brings a proof that that you don't that you that when you're doing God's will, you don't have to work. But when you're not doing God's will, you do have to work. And the verse he brings that says that you have to work when you're not doing God's will is Vasafta Daganecha Vitsarecha. And you have to gather in your Vitsarecha, you have to gather in your grain and your oil and your wine, which we say in the second paragraph of the Shema. But what's very puzzling is the second paragraph of the Shema says, im shemoa, And it will be, if you listen to God's words, then you will gather in your grain. The Torah is saying it like a, a blessing. When you listen to God's words, you'll get to gather in your grain. Rabbi Shimon saying, it's not a blessing. It's when you're not doing God's will, you have to do your, gather in your grain. When you're doing God's will, it comes to you miraculously. You don't have to do any work. So what it comes out that Rabbi Shimon used to believe that work was a negative thing. It was a negative thing. That's called not doing God's will because unless you're a tzaddik gamor, the, the Talmud explains, the commentaries explain, a total tzaddik, total righteous person, then that's considered not doing God's will. But when Rabbi Shimon came out of the cave, he realized you can do God's will and not be on the level of him. Him and his son are unique. They're on a totally different level, level of a tzaddik, but regular people can do God's will even without working. So last year, before, as I was preparing this class, on Friday morning, I learned the Daf Yomi, which is the daily Talmud portion. And last year, we were learning Shabbos, the, the tractate of Shabbos. And we got up to, yeah, last week, I was thinking about this idea of why we have to work for six days and then keep Shabbos. Why do we have to work for six years and then keep Shabbos? And I, and we, I learned Shabbos Daf, page 69. And it says the following story. If a person is lost in the desert and they don't know when Shabbos is, they lost track of time, what do they do? When do they keep Shabbos? And there's a debate in the Talmud. Rav Huna says they count six days and they keep Shabbos. The seventh day is Shabbos. And Rav Chizda, Rav Chia, says they count, they keep Shabbos. The first day, the day they realize that they're lost in the desert, they don't know what day it is, Keep Shabbos that day and then count six days and then keep the next week. So the Gemara says, why? Why, why does one say keep Shabbos in six days? And the other says, why keep Shabbos uh, right away, the first day? So the one who says you keep Shabbos after six days, that's just like, like Hashem did. Hashem created the world for six days and then he rested. Then he kept Shabbos. Shabbos is the seventh day of creation. So the second answer of Gia says, no. The reason we keep Shabbos and then count six days is because Adam. Adam, the first man, was created and went right into Shabbos. 
So the question is, why? Why did Adam not have to work six days before Shabbos? And why do we, yes, have to work six days before Shabbos? And the answer is amazing. Because what was the curse of Adam? What was Adam's punishment after he ate from the tree of knowledge? Adam is cursed. From now on, you have to plow by the sweat of your brow and eat bread. You have to go out into the fields and you have to harvest. Eve is given a punishment that she has to bear children, the pain of childbirth. So we see that Adam, before the sin, didn't have to work. Work was a curse, was a consequence of the sin. Only after the sin does mankind have to work. So, so now we can understand. So why does Adam have to work? Because his, when he was created, his work was a spiritual work. He was on such a high spiritual level, God put him in the Garden of Eden to guard and to keep the garden. And the Torah explains that that's referring to mitzvahs. The guarding is l'shamra, is to not do negative mitzvahs, and l'avda is to do positive mitzvahs. And it was a spiritual work. Had he waited until Shabbos, he would have gotten to eat the fruit as his Shabbos meal. He would have been given that fruit, but he ate it too quickly. And what happened after he ate it? So the, 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 the mystics explained that Adam was a soul. His body glowed. He was a soul that had a body. His main essence was soul. After he ate from the tree, he became a body. That's the beginning of human history. Going from soul into body. He became, he identified, over-identified with his body. And because of that, we're given a commandment now to go out into the world, to go into physicality, the physical, in order to bring out the hidden spirituality, to perfect the world that we destroyed, that we broke. We have to now transform ourselves into spiritual being through working on ourselves. He has to work to feed his physical body. And he has to die to show that his body's not real. And Eve has to give birth to children through pain. Why? Because that's the pain of bringing souls into bodies, of giving birth to a body. Soul doesn't want to be a body. So on Shabbos, after six days of working in the world and going out into the fields and living a physical existence, we stop and we remember, no, I'm a, I'm a shama. My true essence is my soul. My soul is who I really am. We have a body, but we are a soul. So Rabbi Shimon, the idea of a tzaddik, is someone who's living on the level of Adam before the sin. Someone who's so in touch with their soul that their whole essence is Shabbos. Every moment of their life, they're living in Shabbos because they, they are already there. Six days, we have to become bigger, better, different. We have to fix, on, fix ourselves and fix the world. Shabbos, we connect to the fact that we're already there. We're perfect as we are. Our soul is already connected to the greatest truth. We just have to learn how to connect. And Rabbi Shimon is already there. Therefore, he doesn't believe in working. And if we could get to that level of spirituality, then we wouldn't have to work because the world would be uplifted. It would come to us directly through our spirituality. So, very interesting. Okay, so how do we conclude this?
Oh, I was looking at the wrong page last time. Oops. <laughs> All right. Um, so why is the Torah called a chok? Why is the Torah referred to as uh, a something that we can't understand? And why does it say, if you walk in my commandments? And why does Rashi translate that as, if you walk in my commandments, Rashi says, it means if you work hard to learn Torah. And the answer is, at this point, hopefully we can understand that the Torah is unknown to us because we, a human being, according to the Torah, is called a walking being. An angel is called an omid. An angel is called a standing being. Because we have to walk in this world because we are so far from perfection. We have to constantly be walking on ourselves. Do you know that a person is never standing still? There's no such thing as standing still in your life. Life is a down escalator. You're either walking up, you're improving yourself, or you're getting sucked down. So in this world, in this life, we have to constantly be growing. Because the Torah is beyond us, it's unknowable. We have to work and fight in order to understand it. That's, that's, what, that's what learning Torah is all about. In order to grow, to become a walker, to climb from one level to another. But Shabbos is a day when we stop walking. Shabbos is a day when we stand still and recognize what we've already accomplished. You can't spend your whole life trying to improve yourself. You also have to appreciate the growth that you have and the place that you've accomplished, your accomplishments in life, in your spiritual development. So the curses come to us because we didn't observe the Shemitah. We didn't keep the Shabbos. We didn't internalize the message that we're guests in this world. There's a famous, amazing story of the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim was one of the greatest rabbis of all time. You may have heard of him. He lived in Poland and about 120 years ago, I believe. And one time someone came to visit the Chafetz Chaim from out of town and he went to visit this leader of Polish Jewry. Jewry and he arrived and his house was a one-room simple shack with a bed and a desk, no furniture. And the guy comes in with his suitcase and he says, Rebbe, where's all your stuff? And the rabbi says, what about you? Where's all your stuff? And he said, Rabbi, I just have a suitcase. I'm just, I'm just passing through. And the Chavetz Chaim said, me too. I'm just passing through. This world is not my home. We're just guests in this world. We're just guests in our bodies. It's a loan from Hashem. We're here to do the work that we have to do in order that we can enjoy the real Shabbos. The next world is called the Yom Shekulu Shabbos, the world that is all Shabbos. And the Talmud says, someone who doesn't prepare on Shabbos doesn't have what to eat on Shabbos. If you don't cook on Friday, you're not going to have any food to eat on Shabbos. So what's the metaphor? If we don't spend our lifetime working on ourselves and perfecting ourselves, then when we get to the next world, we're going to have nothing to enjoy because the next world is a purely spiritual existence where we can enjoy and appreciate the work of our labor in this world. So we have a very clear mission in this world to perfect the sin of Adam, Adam Harishon. Adam Harishon became a body. He made our physical existence our reality. So we have to go into the world and work. We have to work really hard to find the spirituality, find the light to refine ourselves. All of work is trying to take out 
the oneness that's hidden in the chaos. All work. All work is trying to make order in chaos. Whether you're a chef or an artist or a computer programmer or a zookeeper or a bus driver, whatever job you have, you're trying to find order and oneness and unity to make the world more clear, more refined, more harmonious. And that's the job of bringing out the spirituality that's hidden in the world. And that's our job with ourselves. We are chaotic. We have all sorts of crazy things inside ourselves. We have all sorts of crazy experiences and traumas that we've been through in our life. Our job is to make order out of the chaos of our lives, to bring out the potential that's hidden inside us that we can achieve completion. And that's the experience of Shabbos. On Shabbos, there's no working on yourself because on Shabbos, you're already there. And that's the soul. On the soul level, you have no place to go because you've already achieved it. And uh, that, my friends, is my message for today. And I want to wish everyone a beautiful Shabbos of connection to themselves. And uh, the, uh, we should all be blessed to uplift the world and ourselves and find true inner peace and perfection.